you guys enjoy worship this morning? That first song that we did, um, Cornerstone, man, are those lyrics profound? Nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That verse in there, we have, no matter what stormy gale, my anchor holds. We got a stormy, stormy winds and stuff going on in life outside of here today. I mean, especially the political season that's going on, there's so much change happening in our country. Our anchor holds within the veil. And none of it really means that much because we're only visitors here. It's all about, like that last verse says, when we're before him, dressed in his righteousness alone, because that's how our God sees us. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Aren't you glad that when we appear before him, we won't be standing there in our own sin? in our own rags, but we'll have his righteousness. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11, if you would, please. Normally, I'm a lot more like a, a Bible teacher. Um, and if, if you're really interested in, in diving deeper into you know, the word and into how we walk this thing out and stuff, I really encourage you to come to our Wednesday night classes. They'll start back up in September. Um, you know, this fall, we're going to do a, a series here on uh, developing some discernment for the last times. Uh, I'll talk about, you know, the spirit realm and, and how do we live knowing that there's more going on in the supernatural around us than we see. Um, just a whole bunch of things like that that are deeper about how to live the life. But the Lord gave me a word a few weeks ago. It's about six weeks now. The Lord gave me a word, and I knew that there's somebody that needed to hear this. But the timing just wasn't right. So, you know, I kind of, I said, okay, Lord, and I, I kind of developed that and I kind of put it on the shelf. And then pastor came and asked me to deliver that this week. So I believe that there's somebody here at least that needs to hear this message today. John chapter 11. Um, we're going to look at the story of, of Jesus raising Lazarus. Verse 1, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Most of you will be familiar with that story. Verse, uh, verse three. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. By the way, that word love in there is, is the agape love. Uh, there are some who try to twist the scriptures and try to make it say something that it isn't. It is an agape love that he has. He whom you love is sick. Verse four, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So what do we see? Whenever I'm reading through scripture, that's a common question that I'll ask myself. I'll read and then I'll say, what do I see? I would encourage you, read and ask yourself, what do I see? What do we see here? We see that Jesus already knows the end. He already knows what the outcome 
He already knows the purpose, right? A message comes, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus already knows that this is a sickness that's not going to end permanently in death, but there's a reason for it. We're usually the one who don't have the answers for why things happen, but God is always in control. He always knows what's going on and why. Let's keep reading on verse 11. This he said, and after that he says to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. Now, let us go to him. What do we see? Well, one thing that I see here is that Jesus is kingdom-minded. He now knows that Lazarus is dead, but he also knows that death is not the end of the story. Death is not a final place, but it's only something that's temporary. Jesus sees the eternal. So that's why he uses the terms sleep. We see that again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul talks about those who sleep in Christ, referring to those who are dead, who are believers. But he uses that term teen. Paul talks about the resurrection and that not all of us will sleep, but we will all be changed in the resurrection. Verse 17 says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, if we jump back for a little bit, this message comes and says, this friend of yours that you love is sick. And then it tells us that he loves Martha, and he loves Mary, and he loves Lazarus, so he gets up and he goes right away. It doesn't say that. It says he loves them, so he waits two more days. Then he says to them that he's, he's dead. Now we go. And when he gets there, he finds that he's been dead and in the tomb, in the tomb four days. Now, what's the significance of four days? There is a reason that Jesus waited around that long. According to Jewish tradition in the, in the Midrash, when somebody dies, the spirit of that person could hover around the body for up to three days. And it had been known previously for someone's spirit to re-enter their body and they come back to life within that three-day period. And so there's kind of a waiting thing that goes on. And we're going to see that all these Jews from Jerusalem come and they sit with the family because that's what you do. You sit and they watch over the body and they stay together and they're kind of waiting this time out. So Jesus waits until he's been in the tomb four days. At this point now, everybody knows Lazarus is not coming back. Everybody knows it. So what do we see? You know what I see? I see where the scriptures, the Lord says, I will not share my glory with anybody else. He sends Jesus back here. And he's going to do a miracle, but he's not going to do a miracle that anybody's going to be able to go, yeah, well. But the Spirit was still hovering around. And we know that this has happened in the past. 
It has been known that a rabbi could raise somebody from the dead within those three days. No one's ever raised anybody from the dead beyond four days. I will share my glory with no one. Jesus waits until he's been in the tomb for four days. In verse 18, it says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. That's what I was telling you. Is they, they all come, and they're going to mourn together with the family. Martha, therefore, heard that Jesus was coming. When she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Think about that for a minute. Like when you get this, it's like reading a news report. We miss all the flavor in this. We're all familiar with the story of Mary and Martha where Jesus comes to the house and Martha gets all busy and she, wants, she comes to Jesus and says, tell my sister Mary to help. And Jesus says, no, Martha, you're worried about all the wrong things. There's only one thing that's important and Mary's chosen that good part and I won't take that from her. These are people that Jesus loves. You have to remember also that Jesus is considered a great rabbi by the people that are there. He is highly regarded. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, let's think about this for a minute. They are living together in the house. That means that they're not married and that there's probably some reasons for that. There are some that speculate that maybe Mary had been in prostitution and maybe it was for this reason that she had come and had been anointing Jesus' feet and wiping his feet with her hairs. There are some who believe that Lazarus might have been sick or lame or a beggar. They're living together, and Martha clearly seems like the oldest. And they have a friend. And they have a friend who is really important and who is really powerful. And they're close. He comes to them a lot. So now... They've lost their brother. Jesus is coming. Martha and Mary, they love him and they're close to him. And when they hear that he's coming, Martha goes out to see him and Mary doesn't even come. Now, from everything I see in the scriptures, when you're in a time where you're really hurting and they've lost their brother, you would think that she would go. So why doesn't Mary get up and go? Martha goes. Mary doesn't. There's a lot of pain that's in here. Martha gets to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Again, we hear that pretty straight up. If you'd been here, you could have changed things. Even now, I think that God will give you whatever you ask. There's more to it. You've heard me speak in the past about if statements and how in the Greek we have different kinds of if statements. There's if statements that are um, in the positive. So uh, if Pastor Daniel was a Seahawk fan, and we all know that he is, he'll be watching the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> There's an if statement that is in the unknown. If the sun comes out tomorrow and it's a nice day, we're going to go to the beach. We don't know. Might be raining tomorrow. And then there's another kind of if that's in the negative, they call it. And that statement is like, if the homeowner had known what time of night the thief was going to come, 
And he can't know. He doesn't know. He would have been waiting, and he would have watched to prevent his house from being broken into. That's what we're looking at right here. This is an if that says, if you had been here, but you weren't. You got to understand the amount of emotion that's going on in this situation. She says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, but you weren't, you knew our brother was sick. We sent you a message, and we know you got that message. And we know that if you would have been here, you could have done something. We needed you. Where were you? If you had been here and you weren't, and you failed us, and you let us down, if you had been here, my brother would be alive right now with us. There's a lot that is in that when she says that. And you've got to really get that to get the next verse. Because in that next verse, she says, even now. Even now. This right here is why we're in this chapter today and why we're looking at this. Because I believe that there are some Marys and some Marthas that are in here today facing something like this. You might be in here today and you've lost somebody really close to you. It might be that you were praying for something and you were holding on for hope and it didn't happen. And you know that he heard you. I've gone through hard times in my life where I've gone through them and I've just suffered through them. And there's times I've gone through them in my life where I trusted the Lord all the way through. And I have seen the Lord come through. And I have had times when the Lord didn't come through, where I could feel exactly like Martha, where I could say, where were you? But Martha says, even now, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Now, there are some people that think, well, she means, like, even now that he's dead for four days, I believe you could raise him from the dead. But that's not what she's saying. How do I know that? Well, if we look at the next verses there, verse 23, Jesus says to her in response, your brother will rise again. He tells her straight up, I'm bringing him back. But her response is, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That tells me she didn't put two and two together right there. When she said, I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. He says, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he'll rise then in the last day. That's doctrine. In her culture, that's exactly what they believe. So she's like, yeah, I know that someday he's going to rise again in that day in the resurrection. See, she's not thinking here and now. So what is even now? Even now, I believe. Even now when you have failed us, even now when all of our hope was on you, and we counted on you, we've loved you, you've been in our home, we know you love us, 
and we needed you. Even now, despite all of that, I still believe. My faith is still strong. Verse 24 again, Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked her the question of the day, do you believe this? There's a resurrection coming at the last day and he would rise. Jesus says, I'm that resurrection. I am the one that's there at the last day and I'm here today. Jesus says, back to the garden. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And the serpent said, well, you won't really die. But there's two deaths we're talking about here, physically and spiritually. They ate, they didn't die physically, did they? But they did die spiritually. And Jesus is talking about the same thing. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me and dies physically still lives eternally. And the one who's still living physically and believes in me will never die spiritually. She says to him, yes, Lord. I do believe, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. She's even saying to him, I don't really get it. I don't really get what you're trying to say right there, but if you said it, I believe it, because I believe you. And see, some people would say like, why does all this stuff about the old languages and the Greek and all that stuff matter? This is one of those verses where the Greek completely matters, because see, there's different things, I won't bore you with this, but you gotta know this. There's different tenses in the Greek for our verb, and one of them is the present tense. If this was in the present tense and she said, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, what that would mean is, as we're standing here talking to one another right now, I believe that you are the Christ. I don't know about tomorrow, but as we're talking, I believe. Another tense is called the aorist. And if it was in the aorist, it would mean there was a point in time that I believed. There might be another time when I don't believe. But this tense here is the perfect. And the perfect means I have believed and I'm going to continue to believe and my belief is unshakable. A good way to understand that is if you go to the restaurant and they bring you a plate of food and you ate it. It's gone. You ate it, it's done. That's in the perfect. It's not coming back. The food that you ate is not going to show up on that plate again. It is gone, and the result of it is probably visible. <laughs> That's what she says. Again, like she said with the even now. Even now, I know. Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Son of God. When he said this, verse 28, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Think about that. Okay, when she knew he was coming, she didn't get up and go. But if he calls, she loves him. 
And she goes. In verse 30, now Jesus was not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary was come to Jesus, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says the exact same thing that Martha said, in the exact same way that Martha said it. You got two different personality types, but you got the same feelings. She is just as hurt and just as let down. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, one of the most famous scriptures, Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept him from dying also? What do we see? I'll tell you what I see. I see that as God, Jesus is not bothered by this situation. He knows what's going to, what's going to happen. He knows the outcome and he knows why. But I also see that Jesus as a human, he's human. He's encountered Martha, whom he loves. He's encountered Mary, who he's loving who he loves and he's got this crowd of people that have come with him that are mourning everybody is crying many of you in here just within the past six months have lost somebody close to you there's so much pain and Jesus is standing here with people that he loves surrounded by all of this and it moves him and in verse 35 it says Jesus wept what the actual Greek means is that he burst out in tears like it just popped out of him. So we see that as a human, it matters a lot to Jesus what we're going through. See, he knows purpose, but that doesn't mean he doesn't care. He could have changed their circumstances earlier and prevented them from all of this pain, but he really couldn't do that because God had a purpose. And Jesus always executes God's plan. But that doesn't mean that when those circumstances come and they cause us pain, that God doesn't care. See, I have a theory, and I won't know until I get to heaven. But Jesus, when he first heard that he was sick, stayed for two more days. And then when he told the disciples, I'm glad that I wasn't there. Our friend Lazarus is dead. I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes. I have a theory because I know my God and I know his character, that if Jesus had gotten up and gone right away and had shown up before Lazarus was dead, that God my Father is so compassionate that he may have changed his plan. And he may have said to Jesus, I want you to heal Lazarus. We'll find another way, another plan. Now I don't know that, don't say, you know, Pastor Sean said that's for sure anything, okay? But I know the character of my Father in heaven. And Jesus waits it out. And then he goes. 
Hebrews chapters two and four tell us that we have a high priest in Jesus Christ who was made to be human so that he would be able to empathize with us in this life, that he would walk what we walk through and that he would know it. And we see right here that that is exactly who he is. He is somebody that will obey the Father and he knows all things and he cares about what goes on for each one of us. I believe that there are some of you that are in here today that are facing an even now moment. I think there are some of you that can identify with Martha and you can say, even now, God, I can look at times and I can say that I counted on you. I trusted you. I stood in faith to everything that I knew to do and you still didn't seem to come through. But even now, I still believe. I still trust you. And to those of you that are in here that are in that spot, remember that he says to her, verses I haven't gotten to yet, he says to her, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But when we have faith, and when our faith is unshakable, we can see God move. And God is always in control. And there's always a plan and a purpose for what happens. And our God is able to preserve, and he's able to make a way when there is no way. But there are also some today that you're facing an even now moment, but you don't know the outcome. Lord, if you had done this, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Even now, dot, dot, dot. You're not sure what you would say right now. You're not sure where you're at. There are others of you that are in here today. Maybe your hurt is fresh. And you're facing an even now moment right now. And you're trying to decide. Maybe you've already decided and you're saying, even now, I'm out of here. I'm not sure what I'm even doing in this house anymore. I'm mad at God. I'll come to church because I believe I need to come to church, but I don't want to get close to God because I'm angry with him. I think there are also some that are here that might say that I believe that there's a God. I'm going to keep coming to church, but inside I am just dead. I've been so hurt and so let down that the inside of me, my hope is completely gone. And I'm just going through the motions. You see me here, I look like I'm doing okay, but I'm really not. Please turn to Ezekiel 37. Because this is what the Lord showed me when I first saw this. I'm going through this passage and I see in Martha this even now, even now, even now that you've let me down, my faith is strong. And I thought of those who are in that pain. Do you realize what it costs? When you're in so much pain like that, what it costs to say, even though you've let me down, I'm faithful. I'm not letting go. I am hanging on for all that I'm worth. And then the Lord showed me Ezekiel 37, a very familiar passage. 
but maybe seen in a different light here. Verse one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. When I see this valley in my mind's eye, I see stuff like the Dead Sea area where there are uh, mountains and, and there's valleys and there's just nothing but rock. There's nothing growing there and I can see bones in that. In verse two, he caused me to pass among them round about and behold, there were very many on the surface, and they were very dry. Many bones, very dry. What does that mean? By the time that they're dry, man, anything that was ever alive has long since been cooked out of them, especially in that baking heat. You get the impression here with these bones, they're just brittle, there's nothing that's there. Let's jump down to verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Many dry bones, dry, dry bones. You know, the scriptures say that we as believers are the Israel of God. They say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. Go back to verse three then. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. That's what he saw. Now let's look at verse 12. This is where he was just saying that these bones are the house of Israel. Our hope is gone. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have done it. If you're in here today and you're facing an even now moment, but for you, 
there's so much pain, or now we're not even in pain anymore because the bones of your hope are so dry. The Lord wants you to know that he can put hope back. He can bring that back to life again. He can cause those dry bones to be raised again. He can restore it. As I said, I know the character of my God. Our God is a God who consistently comes behind an enemy who destroys and makes things new. And he makes them strong. For some of you, you'll need to take a step on your own. You can rise up and you can speak to your dry bones. And you can command those dry bones in the name of Jesus to come back to life. You can begin prophesying over those dry bones that the breath of God will enter them and they will come back to life again. Do you know, Res Life, that that is the purpose of God for you? Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Will you stand with me, please? It's not enough for us to come into the house of the Lord and to hear a word. We need a chance to respond. If you go out of here today and there's nothing different except that you know something that you didn't know when you came in, there's no difference in our lives. But that's not why we're here. We're in here to honor the Lord and to walk out of here differently than we were before. If you're in here today and you need a change in your life, we're going to pray and God is going to move in here today with every head bowed and every eye closed if you would please if you're in here today and you would say Pastor Sean I need prayer because my hope my hope is dead my hope is wounded my hope needs an even now moment I want to be able to say like Martha that even now my faith is unshakable and I believe that you are that son of God if you want that prayer today please raise your hand right now I see those hands. Thank you. We are going to pray. Also, if you are in here, let's just pray right now. I want to pray over this right now. Father, you see these hands that are in here. I believe, Lord, that you had this word for these people that are in here today. I pray, Father, that you would speak life over those dry bones. For each and every person in here, you know what is going on in their life. You know exactly what hope that that is. Father, I pray that you would reveal your love to them. Just as Jesus wept openly in front of everybody because he cared. I pray for each and every person in here that you would reveal your love to them. That they would know that you were alongside of them. That you were a compassionate high priest who knows what we're going through who cares. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will cause those bones to come together, that you will put sinews on them and flesh, that you will draw them together, that you will prophesy, Lord, to the four winds and bring the breath of life back, back into this hope, that you will create new hope in your people here. I pray that you will make what is dead come to life again. And right now, we speak to that in each one of you. Whatever is dead, I command it now in the name of Jesus to be alive again. In the name of Jesus and to the glory of our God who will share his glory with no one else. I pray, Father, that you will do this work in a way that each and every one of them will know that you are the Lord, 
that you are the one that has opened their graves, that you are the one that has brought them back and set them upon their feet, and that you are the one that has put new life in them. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place here. If you're in here today and you're not sure that you even know what I'm talking about because you don't know Jesus, but you want to be just like Martha, just like Mary, you want to know. Right now, if you'd raise your hand, you say, I want Jesus in my life. We're going to pray together. Okay, thank you. I see those hands. Would everyone join together with me and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. And now, I take that forgiveness for myself. I will live for Jesus every day and turn my back on my past sin. Father, I thank you that my name is now written in your book of life. That you are with me always. In Jesus' name, amen.